Well, welcome back. Risky Business is back online. Uh, I'm here with Jack Cooper and I'm Andy Groom. Um, how you doing, Jack? Good, good. Yeah. Finally back in the studio after a hiatus. Short, uh, very small hiatus. Uh, but we're back. We've got time on our hands. Yep. Sort of. Uh, and But because of that, uh, our special announcement for this episode is... Uh, that we're not going to talk about uh, coronavirus and what the pressures uh, that bring on teachers and that. So we're going to go uh, something completely different today. Yeah, just sick of it. And everyone's got something to say about how to do it best. And I don't really think anyone knows what they're talking about. So <laughs> I think uh, we're not even going to bother tackling that issue. Um, but yeah, we, we plan for today's episode is a bit of a mis- mixed bag of questions, um, some just sort of random thoughts and yeah, just going to throw them up and see what comes to mind and um, yeah, just get the conversation started, I suppose. Um, yeah. It's been a while, so I guess it's a good chance to dust off the mics and just see uh, see if we still enjoy it and um, yeah, go from there, which I think leads perfectly into my first question. Right, cool. Let's, uh, let's go straight for it. Um, let's go. Sort of, so with... Uh, Showing that it has been a big break between uh, episodes. And <laughs> <laughs> so my question here for you yep. is uh, what do you reckon the barriers were for us to recording uh, Risky Business? What, what do you think it was that stopped us or, or um, demotivated or, or whatever it was for you and me, I guess? Yeah, I don't know. Like, because we've, so time is a something, right? There's an element of that. But I think we talked about last year, we were pumping out episodes at a point in the year when we were the busiest. Mm. It was like right at the end. Of, it would have been this time of the year. Yeah. And we were still pumping out episodes because we, for whatever reason, had prioritized it. I guess there's something about just it being new and exciting at the time. And yeah. I guess you just get a little sick of it. Yeah. Um, and any small, if you're not totally pumped about it, you'll find any excuse to not do it, I yeah. suppose, right? Um, and not that I would, we're not... I don't, yeah, that's what the listeners have <laughs> tuned in for. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. No, no, but like, I don't know, just it comes, I don't know, it comes and goes. Yeah, and I think, I think uh, like we've talked about many times before is that those new things are really exciting yep. and then you go through that lull of like, oh yeah, like I'm still enjoying it, but you sort of get to that point where you have got a general skill or a general level and yeah. then it's like, oh, are we going to decide to take it further or are we just going to be happy with where we got to, which was super exciting. And so then, you're kind of like, you mean that sort of point when you first start learning something, you kind of get good really quickly, mm, right? Like yeah. you see that return yeah, and then there's the grind period where you've got to put in years of practice to yep. for small steps. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's a good point. Maybe we've, we've peaked or we've plateaued. <laughs> we're as good as we're going to get unless we sink years into podcasting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Um, and I think I this is also like if we had, when we have, um, when we've just come off a, a really good PD session or something like mm. that and we've got something exciting, some new uh, whatever it is, like, technique or philosophy or whatever something cool that we want to try out i think we're always pretty excited to do an episode yeah and um 
maybe that just hasn't there hasn't been anything recently like i can't think of like no obvious topics come up for us when we were th- planning for this yeah. episode right yeah and it's like that idea of um maybe it's like uh the the stuff that you do on steam quite a lot as well where you go um oh man like i've got this problem i got to solve it's really it's really big and broad but i just don't know sort of where to start or or where to get stuck in and right. and i think that when we sat down and we looked about, oh, well, what are some potential episodes? It was like, well, there's so many different things that we can do, but also it's like, oh, but what do we do? Yeah. And like, um, yeah, it's sort of like, oh, I don't know where to go with this. And so you're sort of like, oh, well, if I don't make a decision. Then <laughs> yeah. No, and you just go get started. And then like you will be going along on an episode and halfway through we'll say that could be an entire episode yeah. on its own. Or even a two-part episode or whatever. Like, you, yeah, you just come. So, yeah, you're right. You just got to grind, I suppose, in those times. And so we're back and we're going to do our best. And yeah, swing, it'll come around again and we'll be, we'll be firing. Yeah, nice. All right. Um, <laughs> that's a great question. I, 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 maybe I got the wrong idea with questions, but do we go to one of mine now? Or do you got another one that you want to throw up next? Uh, no, like all, all the rest of mine are completely unrelated to really anything. <laughs> so, right. so we can go anywhere. All right. I'm good. All right. Here's a question. Um, and maybe this is taboo, but, uh, we're going to throw it up there. What kind of thoughts do you have on how you sort of work with the students that you don't really like? Like maybe they're really naughty or whatever, or you just don't like teaching them how do you restore that relationship or how do you just work around it or like what you do because for me if I'm like yeah I mean there's students that you will just want to go the extra mile and there's kids where it's just like I don't want you to ask me another question man like you know how, how do you what do you think about that uh, well, I sort of like uh, I'm probably going to need just a, a little recap of the question because when you're saying it right, like talking about these, uh, talking about these kids, yep. you sort of as soon as you start asking that question, you sort of start processing like, well, who in my classes would I identify that sort of matches the situation, and and what are their uh, I'm not like, naming names. If that's <laughs> what you can yeah. No, no, no. But no, I was thinking about like. What is it that makes it difficult for me to sort of um, either connect with them or support them in the best way? And those traits can really vary, like you're saying. Like you can have those naughty kids yep. um, who just want negative attention, um, yep. which is really important to try and find a way to break down those barriers, I guess. But you've got those other kids as well uh, who are um, you feel are really talented, but don't really put in any work or effort, which is really frustrating and you and you want to push them, but they sort of don't respond to you trying to push them further to become an even better learner. And sure. So I was definitely sort of going through that process when you were asking the question, so I wouldn't mind a, just a <laughs> repeat on the, on the full question. Yeah, well, okay, I suppose that's a good point. It depends on... Yeah, I, I didn't have a particular type of mm. student in mind it, you're, you're right that it depends the approach would depend on why what it is that has made the relationship go bad i suppose yeah. um well then in that case what about just an example of a student in the past where you think you've worked through it for whatever reason like what mm-hmm. went wrong and then 
how did you work through it and how did you manage to sort of still yeah, be effective? Yeah, okay, okay. Um, I reckon that uh, one of the things, it's, it's finding those, um, those positives, right? And I listened to a podcast uh, in the holidays a while ago and, and they were talking about it. It was the MIT Teach Lab, I think was the podcast. Yep. And they were talking about um, finding all those, those positives and finding the strengths in your kids. And I've definitely had some kids where I've had frustrations this year and actually this situation has helped me see them in a different way as a learner, helped mm-hmm. me to see them as a motivated and organised learner. And as soon as you can start identifying your kids' uh, strengths and the positivity, I think that definitely helps. And it might not get you all the way, but mm-hmm. it'll definitely sort of smooth out, I think, that um, those rough edges of that relationship. And, yep. and yeah, uh, yeah, I guess that would be... So you're looking for... You're just trying to present different opportunities for the student to shine. Yeah, I guess. Hope yeah. that eventually you come across an activity where it goes really well and that's some kind of a special moment and that sort of resets yeah. the tone, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, I guess, I think I, I definitely do believe in that, you know, everyone's got something that they're really good mm-hmm. at. And so that gives you kind of hope. Um, but, it, you know, it's obviously it's hard when you've got to you not you don't teach 25 different curriculums you teach one right mm-hmm. and then like and yeah you want to give some flexibility and i suppose that's the balance but sometimes you have to go with the thing that they're not good at or you know what yeah. i mean yeah um yeah and like i guess it's the like huge challenge with secondary right like if they've been burnt or if they already perceive themselves as a learner who's not successful in your specialist subject then you have limited opportunities to find the positives and I'm sure totally. you're sure you still can but it makes it incredibly difficult where in primary like we have access to their skills in a variety of different ways in different curriculum areas and yeah there's generally something that sort of floats their boat and and yeah so hats well, off to the secondary that's pretty tricky well i'm you know what i'm just gonna say i'm let's this this little question i think can go into a new uh topic at the moment Mm -hmm. and not hats off this is the reason why secondary system doesn't seem to work so that's the new topic (laughs) (laughs) so two things that what you've just pointed out yeah Firstly, if a student comes in and has already decided they don't like that subject, mm-hmm. then there is so many problems with that. But obviously the root there is like the fact that we're teaching them in subjects, which mm-hmm. just is not. And so that's, I guess, a case for uh, interdisciplinary learning or project-based yeah. or whatever it is. But And even, even still, right, even in the school that's doing really good project-based learning type ideas... I, I, I don't know of any school that doesn't have subjects in secondary. I don't yeah. know if that even exists, right? So there's still that. Second thing is the way that subject the way that secondary school works is you just have such a limited time to meet the kids and yeah. understand the kids. It's so different from primary. Yeah. You've got potentially hundreds of students that you see every week. You know, if you're a t- you're maybe 
teaching them once or twice a week and then mm. to fill a timetable, that's hundreds of kids, right? And like, you, and you just have such limited time to, and, and on top of that, you only see them in one subject and yeah. you only know that this kid's no good at this. And you, it's so hard to find those things. Do you reckon you, that sort of um, would push secondary students to classify more? Like, uh, like first impressions lasting, do you reckon? Like, uh, this is how this child's presenting, very similar to uh, this person that I've had before. Let's chuck them on the pretty frustrating pile. Uh, this kid here, like, lots of... Um, Lots of energy and enthusiasm, right? That's like this person, and you know, like yeah. maybe a bit more classification of um, kids because this you've had you have so many. You need to sort of ground each student in something that you already know. I don't know. Maybe that's like so actually true. You're coming like the the opposite of uh, the other side of we were saying the student classifying themselves. No, no, oh yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> but then the teacher doing that in a way as well, yeah, like kind of yeah. pigeonholing students and yeah, a, as kind of a instinctual kind of yeah. being a bit more effective and yeah, because if be you like, have like yeah, 120 kids, then you have to sort of uh, like yeah, I mean probably it's sad, but like yeah. the idea of like yeah, we we would like to think that each teacher is creating a really personal relationship with each student and kind of tailoring everything but the the numbers just obviously don't allow that in some in a lot of circumstances right like yeah that's difficult to do so yeah so i don't yeah secondaries are not <laughs> just in general the system I, it just doesn't yeah there's so many bad things about it and not enough good things i, I don't know that's my perspective yeah, it's really interesting. And like uh, like for our many listeners out there who <laughs> love to chat about these things, like that would actually be interesting to find out about, right? Is like if you're in a school where you feel like that's not the way that it is or, or you've read about or watched something about schools who are, who are trying something different, like that would be really interesting totally. to sort of hear about and, and talk more about. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you hear about, like, these really cool ones, where, but it is a big shift. It's like, yeah. it seems like it has to be radical changes to... It's almost one of those things, like, you go, okay, this doesn't seem to be great, but I can't think of anything else that you yeah. could possibly do. Yeah. So, you know, you, you see why it is the way it is. And, and I wonder if those um, massive changes, you'd need, like, massive problems to push you, right? Like, if you were right. just chugging along, sort of like what you're saying, if you're just chugging along, it's like, oh, well, it's good enough. Then right, you keep going with good enough rather than like trying to do radical change. Yeah, I suppose like most students end up getting through secondary school, right? <laughs> yeah, they yeah. all seem to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Maybe it's it's not. Yeah, it doesn't present as like a problem that needs solving. Yeah. Right. Well, that's uh, that double question. Yeah. So you got another one in your pile? Uh, <laughs> sure. It's like you've come in like with this awesome uh, <laughs> question and has led a conversation for a long time. And I'm coming in with uh, standing, sitting, or learning with moving. If you got to choose out of those three things, uh, what category would you fall into, do you reckon? Oh, so me as a learner? And you as a learner, yeah. Well, I'm going to probably break your question here because my philosophy is to always sit somewhere different yep. every time. And like the reason I do that, so in, in like say the makerspace, we've got, like a million places you could possibly sit. 
by design, Mm -hmm. but I always like to kind of grab my computer and just go somewhere different. And for me, it's about breaking habits. Like I, if I have a desk, there are habits that I get into where you sit at your desk. First thing you do is, oh, I haven't got my cup of water. Yeah. I got to like check. What do I normally do when I'm sitting here? It's check Facebook. You know, it's that subconscious, like just habits of whatever, but you put yourself somewhere a little bit uncomfortable and I feel like you get more work done. Like, Mm -hmm. cause you just like, yeah, I don't know. You're not focusing on what you normally do. You're focusing on what you need to do, I guess. Yeah, and I maybe that would uh, have an added bonus of like when you start getting to the point where you're like, I need a little break, then you're more likely instead of going to do something to distract yourself, you're in that habit of like, well, I'll just move to a new space and, and like that resets me and I, and I get stuck into the, to the next thing. Yeah, totally. Um, that's that's what I try to do. That's the theory. But, yeah. you know, it does, sometimes it falls down. But, yeah, I think that works. So I like to sit. I like to stand. Um, sometimes I like to sit on the stairs or sit on the floor, like all kinds. Yeah. I don't, like, I don't know how many, like, uh, repeat visitors, like, by repeat, I mean come enough for you to notice any patterns. Mm-hmm. Do you think you see that because there is opportunity for kids to sit anywhere and move about a lot? Do you see that that is how the makerspace is used or do, or do people get in that funk of just like coming in or maybe not a funk for some people, maybe that's part of their process too, right? Yeah, so, okay, so just for the list of some of the options, you could sit here, we've got like study pods, which is kind of like a bench and a seat. We've got um, like big, long um, sit-at steps mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, we've got standing tables and... Uh, the standing tables have a few different heights and then you, we've also got like a long bench, like a cafe style yeah. long bench, right? So there's a few different options, bumping the mic. And what I find with kids is that they have a preferred one and mm-hmm. they, they like the choice. Like they'd like to be able to be, um, they've got something they prefer. Yeah. And so they definitely come in and make a decision about where they want to sit, which for me is really important because I think it, when they make a decision, they're kind of, thinking about what they want to achieve and what they want to, um, how they would like yeah. to learn and, you know, just how this session's going to go. So they make a decision, but they do tend to stick to it. Yeah. Like I see kids that love the study pod and they always race to it and yeah. that's where they want to be. So, yeah, um, it it's, to some extent it kind of works, but I don't think they regulate themselves in the way that I would yeah. of trying to deliberately trying to mix it up just to yeah. keep things, yeah. It's um, interesting, like uh, in the grade five classrooms, uh, we stole some of the ideas from the make space and got some of those standing uh, yep. movable tables. Um, we also tried to get a range of uh, working spaces. But it is amazing how many, like I was really excited because I'm the type of person that I oh, love a standing table just to do something different and like you, just move around a bit. But so many kids were drawn to that sort of traditional sort of sit. Sit sit at a table sort of situation and and yeah it's weird hey? and uh yeah it's i don't know if that's like because it is a habit because that's the only experience that they've had prior to that point is like sitting at these desks where you have certain seats to sit at and mm-hmm. whatnot but yeah that choice often ended with kids sort of Making that same choice, their little safe spot yeah. in the classroom, and uh, o- like ownership of a little piece of yeah, real estate, maybe. right yeah. in the class. Yeah, I think it, we have to try and like, uh, for if not if no other reason, I think if you look at like offices and workspaces, they're all changing as well, right? And 
yeah. I guess shared space is more com- more common mm-hmm. now, and it's not like cubicles and working it. So I guess we got to try and prepare them for that as well. I suppose. Uh, well, actually, that's a nice little tie into a listener question uh, that we <laughs> that uh, has been put to us. Yep. Uh, which is sort of that idea of like individual versus group, right? Um, because w- what you're saying just made me think of the the students in my class where uh, they do like their own little bit of real estate, yep. but they also like to have that bit of real estate with people that they feel comfortable and safe with. And, sure. and you do see a real, uh, a, a lot of social learning, I reckon, uh, within the class. So kids do enjoy having, I get maybe it's someone who's, not that I don't think I'm threatening, but <laughs> <laughs> someone who's less threatening to ask for help than a teacher. Yeah, totally, know? totally. And um, yeah, I don't know. Interested to hear your thoughts, but uh, that that group, that social dynamic, seems to play quite an important part, particularly in our context. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So. Okay. So the 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 topic is the idea of group versus individual work, right? Mm-hmm. And I've got some thoughts on that in terms of what's more productive. But we said we wouldn't talk about the 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 unspeakable topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, however, I have to say that it, when when I'm noticing students that are falling behind currently in mm-hmm. the remote learning environment, it is those students who, for whatever reason. The stuff doesn't make sense when I tell them, yeah. but they understand it from their, the person sitting next mm-hmm. to them, right? And they're yeah. the one who like just is straight away, as soon as I stop talking, they'll ask the person next to them, like, so does that mean this? But, and then <laughs> yeah. having someone else explain it to them for whatever, like the language they use or the tone, or maybe it's just they're less threatening, mm-hmm. whatever it is, they understand it from their PR. They don't understand it from me. And I think that you, you would expect that in any class of like, say you've got 20 kids and six of them understand it first time when the teacher yeah. says it and then there's six of them that get it from those kids and then there's six that really yeah. need a long time and a couple of repeats and showing in a different way and then eventually you get everyone there. But like, man, not having someone to ask, some a lot of kids are so struggling. Yeah, yeah. So it's huge. It is like the biggest thing, I think. And I don't think I valued it as much as, until noticing it, like until you lose it, yeah. right? yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think as well, though, with that whole thing is that I I guess it would be pretty remiss of us not to encourage students to experience both things, right? Yeah. Because outside of the classroom, outside of school, you do need to have experience of I have a problem that I have to solve by myself and I've Mm -hmm. I've got no way to outsource it. Um, And that, like, it's an uncomfortable feeling, um, not feeling like you know what to do. And so we need the students to have sort of strategies to sort of overcome that discomfort and sort of uh, like analyze what the problem is and, and sort of and work, and work through that process. But also like the flip side is there are some people who don't enjoy working uh, with other students and want to work individually all the time. Yeah. But they also need those skills of like, but like, you can actually gain benefits from working with others. Uh, you also have skills to share with others and, and trying to promote that sort of social learning and social problem solving as well because mm-hmm. 
like from experiences with MIT people and that like that collaboration is really driving things yeah uh, science and and just learning and businesses at the moment it seems is that sort of breaking down those barriers of silos and that so yeah yeah definitely I think a balance is a good point um one like I don't know the interesting pattern that I've noticed before I think there's probably like a Older kids in secondary always want to work by themselves. They mm-hmm. never want to work with a group because they've just had so many experiences where there's one one wheel that falls off <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. like, they just... They always want to do it by themselves. And then I've also noticed in the really younger years, like kinder, grade one, yeah. um, they struggle working with a group because, obviously, they haven't fully developed social skills yet. Mm-hmm. There's that. Um, but also, at that age, there, there always seems to be a kid that is just objectively better off doing it by themselves yep. you know and you tell them like it's better if you work in a team you'll be even better and then the kid's like what are you talking <laughs> yeah. about this kid doesn't know how to do like anything and i know how to do it and i'm just going to do it and it's going to be way better and then i think everyone catches up and they reach yep. a more sort of standard level uh, in older like upper primary mm. so i don't know maybe upper primary is like that sweet spot where like group work works well but you might have a different perspective that's like an outsider but um, yeah, so it kind of like both ends, it doesn't necessarily work, but oh yeah, of course you have to have both. You have to have both for sure. Mm. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, go, you got anything else on that topic? I, uh, no, no, I think that's, I feel like, uh, yeah, I, I feel like that had legs for, uh, let's take a quick break yep. and, uh, have a little drink break and yeah, we'll get into a couple more questions. Yeah, Still nice. got some good stuff. The question for you, I, I suspect I already know your answer, but I'm going to chuck it out anyhow. Making decisions, okay. overrated or best <laughs> skill ever? Wait, I don't know if I get it. Making The skill of making a decision, Yeah. is that overrated or not? Um... Let me let me tell you where I'm coming from, as I've flummoxed you clearly. Uh, so I'm coming from the point of like, just for me, making decisions day to day. It's just like, if I can outsource those decisions, I'm like a really happy person. Um, and but then at the same time, you sort of uh, you you can get into a point where you're you're so used to not making a decision that you just try and wait someone out. Until they make that decision, okay. which can be sort of like a, it definitely can be like a negative situation in that. So I was just interested on your take on like, yep, yeah, I think it, I get it. Yeah, all right. So I think something related to this that I've always come across mm-hmm. uh, in time, like working for different people or with different people, is uh, I tend to I tend to be fairly gung ho. Mm-hmm. And when I've got an idea, I just want to do it. Yep. And there's a chance that it's not going to work, but I don't care. And if somebody yep. says, no, we should think about this carefully, I kind of get sort of upset because it's like, well, why should we think about this carefully? Let's, <laughs> let's just do it. This right? is a great idea. It's a great don't idea. Don't question me. Yeah. And, but I do, I will like, I know, I understand that that sounds like um, uh, whatever, stupid, but um, that's what kind of keeps me going on to the next idea and mm. the next idea is like being able to try things out. So 
I tend to do that. And then when I come across other people who are like that, I end up having good working relationships, yep. even though we probably make very bad decisions constantly. Um, but then I can appreciate people who lead with a more thought considered, mm -hmm. take time, let's make the right decision um, and look at it from all angles before we act. I yep. get that. And that is probably a much more sensible way of being. But um, I tend to clash with those people. Yeah. So, um, Do you reckon you do that uh, inherently? Like as part of your process of deciding to follow that dream or idea or whatever it is, do you think you've already done so, like some of the, maybe not the nuanced stuff, but you've done some of the like, uh, well, these are the things that could go wrong. You've sort of weighed it up, like you've balanced risk and reward a little bit already. Maybe, yeah, like I, I get what you mean. Um, that process has just gone on, yeah, instinctively or whatever. Mm. Possibly, but I think also maybe a bit optimistic in like I've seen the reasons why it would work, yep. but I haven't really thought about the reasons why it might not. Okay. Like, for example, I see a problem that needs to be solved. Here's a way we could do it. Let's try that. But then, yeah, so I guess thinking of the benefits rather than thinking about like... Which, yeah, I think that sort of links in with um, the way that you get kids to plan out problems and things like that as well, right? Is that sort of quick um, coming up with ideas, like just yeah. chuck it out there. Don't don't worry about judging it right now, just chuck it out there. And then you sort of look at those ideas and think about the positives and the, the ones that could be successful. And you don't dwell too much on why things can't be successful, but you're more looking for those things that... Yeah, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Um, and, yeah, but I guess because I get a lot of gratification from doing things and seeing mm -hmm. the results and whatever, and, and so maybe if I could find a way to get, um, yeah, satisfaction out of just spending time thinking about a problem. <laughs> like yeah. that, that's not satisfying to me. Yeah. Spending time coming up with the, great, the, the right idea to me is, yeah. But if, if I could find a way to make that um, motivating and satisfying, then that would probably be a better way of going about things. Yeah. And do you know. reckon you would, uh, like that's something that you would continue to push with your students? Is that sort of uh, like optimistic... Uh, attempts and, and things like that or are you sort of trying to get a bit of a balance trying to like Jack Cooper yeah don't be like me <laughs> don't be like me do as just I do not down, as just I say just a notch just a notch <laughs> and then you'll be spot on yeah I don't know well yeah like you said I, I do promote that kind of like way of cr like that creative thinking process in like the brainstorming yep. or whatever quick quick ideas don't worry that it won't work or whatever yep. So, and, and probably because I think I see that a lot of students are unwilling to do that. And yeah. so I think that I need to help them to get a bit of that. Like there's just a lot of kids that are protective about and scared of, not necessarily scared, but just reserved about like mm. throwing out their ideas. Um, and so I guess if anything, if I look at where they're at, yeah. I think they need a bit more spontaneity and go for itness than they yeah, yeah, yeah. than the other way around. You know what I mean? Mm. But like, obviously, good decision making systems is a good thing to have. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
It's funny, eh? Like you're talking about um, sort of developing that sort of thinking, and it would, yeah. But we keep coming back to that idea of like how how reserved and apprehensive kids can be about sort of pushing their ideas, or and that, and like in some aspects of schooling, it seems like a really natural fit to sort of have that optimistic problem solving and confidence in your ideas but yeah it's almost that idea of like a low floor high ceiling task when you come into the makerspace right like Mm -hmm. anyone can come in and access the task at a, a lower level for their needs if they need that but there's also room for those kids and any other kids to sort of push higher and further with that thinking and that task and I'm wondering, like, as we're talking about these things, as a primary school teacher, how can I um, bring that into the literacy program? Like, the maths, it fits in nicely with as yep. well. There's lots of opportunity for those sort of low, fo- low floor, high ceiling. And maybe it's my um, own apprehension around literacy teaching. But mm-hmm. I don't know. But, yeah, it would be so good to be able to sort of push that in all areas of your teaching, so it becomes, you know, you encourage the kids to become a confident, um, confident learner and confident in their ideas and, and the way to solve problems and yep. and the skills that they have. Do you think that part of the literacy, the issue is like there's just there is quite a lot of leveling in literacy and there's kind of been I don't know like. Yeah, there's a lot of there seems to be a lot of ways of, and I suppose they're effective ways of like kind of classifying where kids are at and yeah. setting their level. And I know that there's the you, the idea is to move between those levels, but sometimes you kind of can't help but sectioning them into by reading level or yeah. whatever. Like I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is a challenge to sort of like uh, wade through, and like there's so many learning objectives that you want to be covering to mm-hmm. give the kids the skills that they want. Um, yeah. But I think with the time and effort and, and careful consideration, you could definitely do that in like a project-based learning way. Um, yeah. Which we've done a bit, like I think you've done one with the grade one kids, like the Lighthouse Keeper's Lunch. We yeah. engage the kids in a, in a story that has a problem that the kids then work on a problem about. And I think that them creating their own solutions to a problem in a book makes them consider what's happening in the book much more yep. and consider the background, the context of the book and, and really engages them with that learning. So there is ways, but mm-hmm. I think it's just trying to um, yeah, work out how to bring all those different things together is the, the challenge, right? Yeah, and I guess it's, it's sometimes not... Um, really measurable as well because in that case saying that okay it made him more enthusiastic about the Mm -hmm. book made him maybe a little bit more interested in picking up another book in the future but you can't really it's hard to measure that whether or not that's true and to what extent that made them a better reader you know what I mean like it's difficult and I guess there are other systems where you kind of really clearly see results like send them away with yep. a bunch of sight words and the next week they know those sight words and like that's 10 more to the lit. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. there are easier ways of measuring progress. Um, yeah. So I guess that comes into it um, as well, but 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so we're we're back in the uh, podcasting chairs. We've yeah. uh, we've knocked the microphones a bit, squeaked the chairs quite a lot. A little rusty. <laughs> a little rusty. How have you felt about it all though? On the whole. Yeah, it, it's good. I think uh, this is going to work. I'm I'm feeling refreshed. I'm yeah. excited to come up with a couple of topics. Yeah. Maybe do a few more where we where we research and you know get some uh, yeah, get I'm some really weight behind that. us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's good to be back. We we auto post on um, Twitter. We've got some sound oh, installation yeah, yeah. now. We chucked up, so we did a little bit of a working bee a couple of days ago, and uh, we've got some of that eggshell foam stuck up on the wall. So it's looking great, yep. and hopefully it sounds better. Although I'm not entirely sure if it's made a difference, <laughs> but it's made us a little bit more excited to be in here. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, and so actually, you know what? We didn't make a shout out at the start of the episode, but Part of we'd been we'd been um, brewing on the possibility of coming back yep. and, and reprising the podcast, and we had a couple of messages from people recently saying, "What's going on with the podcast?" Yeah. Um, which I think has just spurred things along a little bit. Yeah, I reckon that was the you know tipped us over the edge. So without I think those little those little messages, I think we possibly wouldn't be sitting here today. So Yeah, yeah. So that's been our motivator. So um, cheers to our listeners that reached out. Uh, John in uh, Panama had, um, yeah, said that we need to get back in here. And uh, and obviously Don's back home Good in Australia. Yep. Yeah, our number one fan. Yeah, will, always will be. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's good. That, that gets us back in here. Yep. So, yeah. Any other fans want to reach out, feel free to, and we'll answer your questions or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, pleasure to be back. Yep. And uh, thanks for listening. Awesome. All right. See everyone next week. Right. <laughs> We're locked in now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>